This is Episode 7 of What's the Deal, Gross Eel? A podcast focusing on the people, places, and history that make Gross Eel unique. I'm Ben Fote. Today I'm speaking with John Hardig. John is a difficult person to introduce because there will always be a lot left out. I'll include a link to his website in the episode description. John is a visiting scholar at the University of Windsor's Great Lakes Institute for Environmental Research and an author of books about the Great Lakes and freshwater ecosystem conservation. What is probably most important for our topic today, though, is that he was part of the group that set up the Detroit International Wildlife Refuge in the late 90s into the early 21st century. I wanted to ask him about Grosseal's Gibraltar Bay unit of the refuge. I'm confident that you're going to join me in wanting to hear more from John about the rest of the refuge in future episodes. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to help us know more about the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge, John. Thanks for being on What's the Deal, Gross Eel? My pleasure. So nice to be with you and spend some time on this important topic. Yes. Well, as an islander, it's it's sometimes easy to forget that Gross Eel's in the middle of an international wildlife refuge. Just how big is it and how have pieces of property become part of the refuge? Well, think about uh, creating an international wildlife refuge. That's no small task. But, you know, no one organization, no one entity can own everything. So right from the get-go, right from the very beginning in 2001, it was founded on partnerships. So the refuge started out and we looked at some lands that were, that were already sort of in conservation, but we could make some improvements. So early on, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service signed a memorandum of understanding, you know, with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. So the, the Point Moyer State Game Area and the Erie State Game Area are, are on this U.S. registry of lands for the International Wildlife Refuge. You know, we wanted to show people how we're working together. We're not all working to sep- separately, you know. So, and of course, Point Moulier has places like Stony Island and it has Celeron Island in it. So those are technically part of the refuge. They're owned by Michigan DNR, but they're cooperatively managed in the spirit of the refuge. So there are places we've started out looking at some industrial properties. So think of Henry Ford and down in Monroe at the mouth of the River Raisin, and there was Ford Marsh. You know, there were uh, it was it was beautiful, and so back then Ford and ACH Automotive Components Holdings Inc. Uh, donated 240 acres of the of the East Marsh to the refuge in the spirit of it. Think of DTE Energy and power plants, and so early on at Fermi Power Plant. They only use a very small footprint for producing power, and they have lots of buffer around it. And so we could come in and better manage that for wildlife, for habitat, for but conservation. But then they still own the property then? They own the property, uh-huh. but we cooperatively manage it. So we, we signed a cooperative management agreement for that. Go 25 years, we could up it at the end of that. So a whole host of different creative tools to build a refuge. So right now, there's about 18,500 acres of land devoted to conservation and outdoor recreation. There's about, oh, I would say to you about 
4,800 in Canada, you know, about 3,800 by Essex Region Conservation Authority for people who know the river, White Sands and Mm -hmm. Holiday Beach nature area, you know, conservation area would be two that are in part of that. And then uh, City of Windsor has about a thousand acres, places like uh, Ojibwe Prairie, one of the last remaining tall grass prairies in, in Southwest Ontario. And then there's the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. The Fish and Wildlife Service own and cooperatively manage oh, uh, about 5,800 acres. So you add that up and you say 18,500 acres is not a big number. But when you, th- it's not big relative to national wildlife refuges in, in Alaska. But if you think about it, if you look at the population, the human population of Windsor and its metropolitan area, Detroit metropolitan area, and Toledo and its metropolitan area, there's nearly 7 million people in a 45-minute drive. So really cool. What an opportunity to bring conservation to cities and to make nature part of everyday urban life. Yeah, it's definitely a unique opportunity. And it's certainly one of those things that makes makes Gros Eel a very unique place in, in the world, for that matter. Yeah, right right in the middle of the, of the refuge. Right. So the Gibraltar Bay unit is probably what most Gros Eel residents think of uh, when we think of, of the wildlife refuge. That's that seems to be the part of, of Gros Eel that's devoted to the refuge. Is that the only part? Are, are there other pieces of, of the township that, like, I'm thinking about Hennepin Point, for instance. Yeah. No, right now, um, that is the only one on Gros Eel proper. But as I mentioned to you, like Stony Island and Celeron Island are, are, are part of the spirit and intent of the refuge owned by Michigan DNR, but cooperatively managed. Think of Calf Island and Sugar Island. They are owned by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And certainly many people know sugar because of swimming at the beach in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So, but Hennepin Point is, is, is owned by BASF. And of course, that has some industrial history there and some issues that have to be dealt with before anything could be done with that, you know. Okay. So, so the Gibraltar Bay unit then, for anyone who's, who's not aware, it's down off of East River Road next to the airport. It's on the west side of the road. It's got a gate that's open from dusk till dawn or from dawn, dawn yep. till dusk. Dawn till dusk, <laughs> uh, uh, 365 days a year. It is amazing. It is such a cool thing. It has an old, you know, it was an old quarry in there at one time on Gross Seal. Huh. And so it's filled up and it's like a little pond, you know, in there now. And it has all those coastal wetlands on on Gibraltar Bay. It has trails, it has wildlife observation decks, it has a uh, a photography blind, it has trails. It's uh, stewarded in a partnership between, among the township, Grosilla Nature and Land Conservancy, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So, it is a gem. If you want an up north experience close to home, it's Gibraltar Bay unit. Wow. And and I remember a couple of years ago at least, of course before before COVID, we went on a Sunday, I think the the gates that go over to the airport property were open for a tour. So we, we went with a wildlife officer of, of some sort mm-hmm. and, and took a tour that went all the way down to the seaplane landing, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, how are programs like that happening these days? Well, on COVID, unfortunately, yeah. not not right now. You know, but pre-COVID, there were lots of things going on out there. You know, like. Uh, uh, nature hikes and environmental education things and the tour that you were on. Um, there's a council ring there and they've done some things, you know, around the history of Native Americans in the area and the Wyandotte of Anderdon Nation. So it is, that will all come back once we get beyond COVID, you know. A question that I think comes up for most people, at least it does for me a lot, is why is it called a unit? Yeah. Well, think of the uh, Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge as part of a the national wildlife refuge system. You know, mm-hmm. you know, refuges all over the country. You know, to for conservation and outdoor recreation. But think of this. You know, Detroit is is older than the United States. Founded in 1701, we are 319 years old. So think of how much land is already tied up. To get you know, a whole bunch of land that's all contiguous, part of one thing, would be pretty hard. Right. So they, uh, in, in, in National Wildlife Refuge System language, they have units. Okay. And there are sometimes discrete pieces of property that are managed as part of the refuge. So there's a, a number of units stretching from down near the Ohio border and Erie Marsh, all the way up to the the border between Detroit and Downriver, you know. Sure. And and so the the Gibraltar Bay unit then, it seems like it might have been part of the Naval Air Station back back when that what it started in the in the late twenties, I believe. Is nineteen twenty seven it started yeah. and you know it was uh you know, just think of it, it was part of a the US Navy and a, a seaplane base and they traded trained, you know, pilots and so it has that long history of being a naval air station. It, that land was part of the naval air, air station. So it just you could imagine to have military operations on a piece of property for let's just say 80 90 years and you can imagine some of those years there there were some issues of what was left behind, you know. And so one of the early things we did at the Gibraltar Bay Unit partnership between the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Grosseal Nature and Land Conservancy, the late Bruce Jones, Dr. Bruce Jones, well-known on the island, is we brought in the Navy Seabees. You know, the Navy Seabees are a really creative military arm. You know, when they mm-hmm. when the Marines go abroad, say they go abroad, it takes two battalions of Navy Seabees to prepare the way for uh, one battalion of Marines. So who builds the bridges? Who builds the houses? Who provides potable water? Sure. Who, you know, who does the, the runways? You know, I mean, they are, yeah. you know, civil engineers. They are construction trades people. They know how to get things done. So we had one at Selfridge Air Force Base, and we were able to convince them to come down. And the, the shoreline it was left. You can imagine what was out there. You know, there was all kinds of military debris and everything like that. So we brought in the uh, Seabees and we said, we want to clean this up. We want to restore our habitat. We spent three days with heavy equipment, 
pulling stuff, you know, <laughs> everything from airplane engines to oh my. empty ammunition boxes to gunner chairs and everything else. And we had this mound that was larger than a two-story house, you know, of stuff. And and then we couldn't get rid of it because we had to have a military historian come in because <laughs> what did you just find? And so we had to go through that whole process. But that cleanup was a really innovative partnership. And then that led to restoring the shoreline. So we, Gross Seal Nature and Land Conservancy, the township, the Fish and Wildlife Service, chased some money and brought in a couple of hundred thousand dollars to take that shoreline and recreate a more natural shoreline that would support Gibraltar Bay. So it's a coastal wetland habitat. So we did that. And then and then eventually um, EPA uh, in 1972, took over from the U.S. Navy. They acquired it. They were the at the Large Lakes Research Station there on Grow Road near Meridian. Okay. And they're the ones that now have left. But they were there, so they were the steward of it. And they worked with U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to clean it up to federal standards. And then that was in, that ended in the 1990s, sort of the mid to late 90s. And then it was transferred over to the refuge to become part of the uh, Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge. But every step of the way, Gross Seal Nature and Land Conservancy has been there to help steward, to improve, to the vision is to have this amazing place on Gross Seal and for Downriver that it can inspire a sense of wonder and, 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 and for kids to come and learn about nature at all you know, right in your backyard. Yeah. I, I think I'm just going to cut off right here and I'm going to drive down there. <laughs> Great. Yeah, you should. I'll think about it. I mean, you know, anyone who fishes yeah. the Detroit river knows Gibraltar Bay. I mean, there's, I mean, you can get some monster bass out of there and there's, yeah pike and i mean it's just a great place to fish so sure. gibraltar bay is a spawning and nursery grounds for many fishes oh i can imagine and and then just think of these bird migrations you know we are the intersection of the atlantic and mississippi flyways and they need places to stop and rest and feed well the uplands of those 40 acres of uplands are are stopover habitat for migratory birds you know, right now we're recording in November of 2020 and, and everyone's going over the toll bridge. I think it was uh, just the other night, somebody mentioned that some kids that had come over for a football game, some of the players had never seen swans before. Really? And they came over the toll bridge and there were uh, hundreds of swans, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, because, and I'm sure they're in the, in the migration path right now. Yes. On their yeah. way through. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, just, you know, you know, when the canvas back come through and it is just a, and, and starting in the fall when you have the raptor migration and 23 species of raptors cross the river and there's Detroit River Hawk Watch. And, and it's just, I mean, there is so much that's really unique about the place we call home. It's easy to take for granted since we, we drive through it every day. It's, uh, it's amazing. So we've talked about, about what's going on here, focusing mostly on, on what's on the island right now, but, but we can't ignore that the, the new visitor center, the properties opened up, I think just a few weeks ago, they, they opened up the dock for fishing and, and the trails for people to hike. But the, the visitor center isn't open yet because of uh, that, that one thing that we're all <laughs> tired of. But uh, soon, 
very soon it will be open to us. So how does that, does that change anything with what happens here in the, in the unit or uh, will that, will that provide more staff to the program? I think it's going to be a game changer because, you know, think of the reputation that down river has, you know, and it's, you know, part of the rust belt and, we have a polluted river in the Rust Belt, and our waterfront is dominated by industry. But now we have North America's only international wildlife refuge, and the visitor center is there in Trenton, but Humbug is is partly in Gibraltar and partly in Trenton. But, you know, the Humbug Marsh is 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 truly unique with the kinds of species there. And there's an international convention called the Ramsar Convention. And it is it identifies wetlands of international importance, not national importance, not state or provincial, not local or regional. By convention, you mean like a treaty? Like a treaty. So think okay. of the, yeah. the Ramsar Treaty. It's like okay. a treaty. Yeah. Okay. And so there are about, oh, 2,200 throughout the world. There's a, um, 41 or 42 in in the United States and only one in Michigan. It's Humbug Marsh. It's pretty cool. So that, you know, it's really something special and something, you know, that, that you can go and get close with nature like Gibraltar Bay unit. But that is once the visitor center opens, they're going to be adding more staff. They will add, you know, more staff and park ranger, other staff, a uh, you know another maintenance person, so that those people are not just for Humbug and the Refuge Gateway; they're for the whole Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge. So, you will if you have a uh, another park ranger, you will see more programming at Gibraltar Bay Unit. You will see uh, more educational things going on with schools and kids, and bringing them learning outdoors that we've discovered is so so important. It also brings up a a unique uh, thought for the future. And that is like, if, if a school comes for a, a day trip that starts out at the visitor center there, you know, think of a visitor center, you go to, you know, Yellowstone or Sleeping Bear, and you first start at a visitor center and you learn about the national park or the national wildlife refuge in our case, an international wildlife refuge. And then you go out and explore, learn, and you have fun. So you would start there. If they had a day trip or even a half a day trip, you could start in the visitor center. You could go and learn and have fun and humbug at the refuge gateway. You could come over to Gibraltar Bay unit there. The options are amazing to give a compelling educational experience that is outdoors. This visitor center has added a new element of ecotourism to Downriver. It's been a long time coming. It sounds like it's taken about 20 years to get yep. to this point, and, but it's, it's going to last for a very long time. It's going to last and only, you know, it's going to improve over time too. You know, it's going to really, because it's all the things we do. And I think, you know, that there's, there's lots of wildlife refuges 500 plus throughout the country and everything, but there's only a handful that are truly urban. And this is an urban refuge. And 80% of all the United States and Canadian people now live in urban areas. Sure. Where's the next conservationist? 
Where's the next environmentalist? Where's the next sustainability entrepreneur going to come from? It's going to have to come mostly, predominantly from urban areas. So what an opportunity to inspire kids at a young age to give them these ex compelling experiences to develop a stewardship ethics so we don't go back to crisis management and have to deal with some of the things we, we've dealt with time and time again. Sure. And, and that segues to my next question, which is, what can we do as, as just ordinary citizens to support the refuge? I think that uh, one of the really important stewards of, of the Gibraltar Bay unit is the Gross Seal Nature and Land Conservancy. Get involved. Attend one of their meetings. Volunteer to do, to do some of the open space work and Manchester Woods. And there's so many things you can get involved with. There's also a friends group for the Detroit Rural International Wildlife Refuge. They're called the International Wildlife Refuge Alliance. You can volunteer for them as well. I think those are friends of Detroit River. You could get involved in some of the cleanups of the Detroit River. They do every spring a cleanup of the islands. You could get involved in that. You also can make the connection between schools on Seal and these amazing resources to take advantage of them as they open up and make sure they're part of the curriculum and make sure kids get exposed to this throughout their educational development. And, and I imagine just making sure that we all visit and, and appreciate them in, in not just drive by. Not just drive by. You have to go and see it. I think if you could go out yet this fall, as we still <laughs> the next few days are going to be awesome, go to Gibraltar Bay Unit. There you've got parking. Park your car. Take a hike. See it. You will be amazed. You will not be disappointed with what you see and the experience you have. Oh, I'll tell you, your, your excitement for this is infectious. And I'm, I'm glad we get to share this. We're at the end of, of what I've planned at this point. As, as I explained earlier, that I like to give everyone a chance to give a wish to the island or to the, the folks of Grosseal. Do you have a wish you want to share with us? Yes, I do. I think the since we've talking about the Gibraltar Bay unit and uh, the township does done an amazing job of greenways. You know, think of the trails on the island and bicycling and walking and jogging and and connecting the the downtown area with some of these nature places and everything else. So if you come south on Meridian, you hit Grow Road on the Greenway Trail, right? And then you, you turn left. And then you head, you know, east and you go to the Alpaca Farm. Yeah. Go go past the Alpaca Farm and then you hit hit East River Road. That's it. That's the end of the Greenway Trail. Huh. So since we're talking about Gibraltar Bay Unit, a low-hanging fruit is to extend that Greenway Trail from the corner of Grow Road and East River down to the Gibraltar Bay unit to give more people an opportunity to bicycle and get there, not just by car. I think that would be really cool thing to do. That's my short-term wish. My big, <laughs> big long-term wish, if, if, if you want to think big, it would be, you know, and you mentioned it, Hennepin Point. If we could, you know, do a partnership with BASF to clean that up and make that into a conservation area for the township, that would be 
amazing. That would re think of if you go on the kind of the western tip of Belle Isle and you sit on there out there on the point and you look at downtown Detroit and the skyscrapers, you see the Ambassador Bridge, you see Windsor, that compelling view. If you went out on Hennepin Point and could sit and the view would be amazing. And that land is really important also to migratory birds and everything else. So there's a lot that could be done there. And that would be a, a long-term dream. And, and I think anyone who goes down to Bishop, Bishop Park in, in Wyandotte and looks out over it and you think, wow, if I could just go over there, <laughs> just, just that much more. Well, I really appreciate this. Uh, thanks so much for sharing about this today. I'm sure thousands of Islanders join me in anticipating the opening of the Refuge Gateway the building and the programs that will come with it. It sure seems like the future of the Detroit River is really, really bright. It is, and I look forward to seeing all of you at the Gibraltar Bay Unit and the Refuge Gateway in Humbug Marsh. Excellent. Thank you. See, don't you just want to get down to the corner of Grow and East River and map out a bike path extension? I really want to thank John again for sharing about the Wildlife Refuge and Gibraltar Bay. It's a bit of a hidden gem on the island that more people should visit. This episode is coming out on November 12th, 2020, so you still have time to call in or email what you're thankful for for the Thanksgiving episode. Look for the email address and phone number on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash WTDGI. And keep the suggestions, comments, and reviews coming in. Next week's episode, episode 8, will be with Tracy Pierce from Grossiel's Rotary Club. Tracy started a weekly video series on Facebook called Good News Grossiel. We're going to talk about Rotary and why everyone is sharing good news. What's the Deal Grossiel is recorded and produced by me, Ben Fote. You can keep in touch with me through the What's the Deal Grossiel Facebook page or email me at whatsthedealgi at gmail.com. You can share episodes from Facebook or hear them from the website, whatsthedealgi.com. And of course, it never hurts to subscribe so you can get the latest episodes through your favorite podcast delivery tool, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and so many others. Our intro and credit music is Mocktails in the Rain by Anti Ludo, which is used through a Creative Commons license. Find more of his music on soundclick.com as Anti's Instrumentals. Thanks for listening to... What's the deal, Grossiel?